It is episode number 11 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. My name is Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And we are in full swing here in winter sports. And Matt McAuliffe, now for the second episode in a row, uh, we've been able to talk about something pretty cool that you've done with uh, one of these fine athletic teams. Yeah, this time I was with women's basketball at Harvard. Yeah. And uh, it went into double OT. We'll get into it later. Oh, yeah. But um, it was. It was cool because uh, I was able to take um, our audience through a road trip with women's basketball and kind of the ins and outs of that system. So so now you were, I mean, you were filming and you were also filming at home uh, later that weekend, but what kind of stuff are you trying to capture when you're, when you're doing something like that? Yeah, I'm just trying to bring the audience into the team. I want them to feel like they're a part of the team. Of course. And I mean, from a, from a fan perspective, there's, you know, there's a lot of value to be able to see, you know, not only the pro the product on the court, but also what's going on behind the scenes. And so, I mean, that, that I'm sure that's one of the things that you're also looking at is, you know, how can we make this team more interactive to the people that we want coming to the People's United Center? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, yeah, so Matt got a chance to go on the road with the team uh, to go to Harvard uh, last, fr was it last Friday? Yeah. Losing yeah. track of my days now because... Uh, it's final season. It is final <laughs> season. We are recording on uh, Tuesday, December 4th, so we have... Under a week now until finals week starts, uh, so less than two weeks remaining of classes here in first semester. So um, we're kind of figuring out our plan and what we're going to do over break. Uh, there's going to be a best of mixed in some places. Matt has gotten a chance to sit down uh, with a number of great guests. I won't uh, reveal them. I don't want to reveal them. Good. Okay, yeah. So so those uh, those will be coming at you uh, after the new year, but we're still working on our, our schedule. So keep an eye out on uh, QU Athletics on Twitter for more announcements about that. But in the meantime, a lot going on right now in the past week and the week upcoming, so let's take a look at the week that was in Quinnipiac Athletics. The women's indoor track team, they kick off their season this Saturday as they have a meet with Yale, and they are predicted to finish third place in the MAC preseason poll. So best of luck to those women as they travel to Yale for that meet. And the women's basketball team, they won at Harvard 72-67. to I was there for that double overtime win on Friday night. Harvard tied the game at 59 with a last-second two-pointer from Madeline Raster, and then Harvard led 65-62 to with seconds remaining in the first overtime before Jen Fay hit a three at the buzzer. And then the Bobcats ended up outscoring Harvard 7-2 to in double OT to win by five. Jen Fay's total points was 17, while Aaron McClure had a double-double with 16 points and 10 rebounds. And then on Sunday, it was a 67-52 loss in the home opener. Freshman Mackenzie DeWeese led the Bobcats with 13 points, while Fay had 11, and they are on the road again at Princeton on Saturday at 7 p.m. On the men's side for the Bobcats, uh, they dropped a game last Wednesday at UMass by a score of 69-62. Uh, Travis Atson led the Bobcats in points with 16, while Aaron Robinson had 15 coming off the bench. The Bobcats outscored the Minutemen 41-37 in the second half, uh, but that wasn't enough to complete the comeback. Then they came back on Saturday night, continued the road trip at Stony Brook, but unfortunately lost that one 71-61. But Cam Young had 29 for the Bobcats in that one. The Bobcats return home this coming Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. when they do battle with Lafayette. 
The women's hockey team now, they dropped a home-and-home -home series with the number 10 team in the country, Princeton, over the weekend. They lost 3-2 Friday night at Princeton. Kenzie Lancaster and Brooke Bonsteel had two goals in less than a minute, but it was too little too late. And then they returned home Saturday afternoon, but dropped that one by a score of 4-1. to one. The lone goal came from Zoe Boyd, which was her first of her collegiate career. The Bobcats kick off a nine-game road trip. You want to talk about on the road again? They're going to be on the road for quite a while. <laughs> That's a nine-game road trip this weekend, and it lasts until the first weekend of February. They are at Union Friday night, and they go to RPI Saturday afternoon. So long trip for the women's hockey team. They had a, a number of home games in the league and, uh, of course, non-conference games at the beginning, but they are gone from the People's United Center until February. And the final team on our rundown and the one that we're focusing on for today's episode is the men's ice hockey program. They won their home-and-home -home series with number 19 Princeton this past weekend. At home Friday night, they beat the Tigers by a score of 3 to nothing. Chase Prisky, Odin Tufto, and Scott Davidson all scored. Andrew Shortridge picked up the win in net, and he is currently leading the nation in both goals against average and save percentage. Yeah, that's best in America. One solid 1.00 goals against average and a 9.56 save percentage. Both are best in the nation. And... <laughs> The Bobcats hit the road on Saturday night and completed the sweep of the Tigers on Saturday with a 6-3 victory. Chase Prisky and Craig Martin both had two goals, while Michael Lombardi and Luke Shiplow also contributed. Odin Tufto had four assists in the game, and Keith Petrozelli made 27 saves en route to the win. Uh, the Bobcats have a home-and-home -home series this weekend with number 1-ranked UMass, so possibly the biggest series of the season to date coming up. Yeah, best in America. Kind of crazy. Wasn't expecting that from the Minutemen this season. They've kind of been on the rebuild uh, with their new head coach and a bunch of new players. But they are, so they're coming into Hamden Friday night, and then they're, the Bobcats are going up to Amherst on Saturday night. But a couple notes for the Bobcats. They are currently ranked number 8 in the nation uh, on USCHO. Chase Prisky was named the ECAC Player of the Week for his three goals over the weekend. Prisky right now is tied for the nation's lead in goals with 11. He's a defenseman, folks. And he also leads the nation in power play goals with six and game-winning goals in five. He's tied for ninth in the nation overall with points with 19. Michael Lombardi won uh, ECAC Rookie of the Week the third week in a row, which a Bobcat has won that award. Uh, he had a goal and an assist over the weekend. And Odin Tufto is now third in the nation in points with 24, and he has 14 points in his past five games. And Matt, that is who we're talking to in this week's episode of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. It's the sophomore Odin Tufto. He came in right off the bat as a freshman and had eight points in his first five games. And I mean, from an offensive standpoint, uh, on offense rather, there hasn't been a better player in the last two years than him. Yeah, he kind of took the collegiate game by storm. He kind of came into QU and didn't really have a big name on him. Like, a big reputation on him. Yeah, and, no. and, and like you said, he just lit it up in the first five games and kind of hasn't looked back. Uh, and I think it's his work ethic, his obviously his teammates around him, and just the fact that he's a focused kid. Uh, he knows that he has a big role and lives up to it every game. Absolutely. So uh, I got a chance to sit down with Odin, uh, and we talked a lot about that, about his, his work ethic and everything. But, you know, he's got a couple interesting stories. I mean, it, it starts with his name. I mean, Odin oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. a pretty is a pretty interesting name, all things considered. And he came in, you know, some reports would say Odin Tufto, and other reports would say Peter Tufto. So yeah. he gets into that and the derivation behind Odin. <laughs> he talks about uh, his crazy high school career because I mean, there are there are very few 
fans as rabid as those who head to the XL Energy Center and watch the state tournament for high school hockey in Minnesota. So he got a chance to be a part of that in high school, talked about that, his crazy career playing junior hockey, and then coming into Quinnipiac and what's made him so successful through his first year plus. So I got a chance to sit down with Odin Tufto. Let's hear what he had to say. And we're back here on the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast, episode number 11, and we're joined in studio today by the sophomore forward, Odin Tufto. How are you today, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Um, crazy season so far, and we'll get into everything that's happened with you because some of the statistics are just like, I, I had to double check to make sure that I was reading them right. But um, first off, I, I asked you this before we started, and, and I kind of want to want to get the clarification on record because, you know, when, when you read through the, or when we were reading through the recruits from a few years ago, there's this kid, oh, there's this kid, uh, this kid Tufto coming in. And depending on the report that you'd read on Twitter or somewhere else, it would say either Odin or Peter. And there, and you were telling me that there's kind of a story about why or where those two names come from. So how did you end up with Odin? Yeah, I think it's a story I've I've been able to tell a lot ever since I got here, but I'll give you kind of the short, quick version. So um, my name is Odin Peter Tufto. Peter is the middle name. Um, for some reason, you know, it's, it's named after my grandfather, who uh, was Norwegian. His name was Odin Palmer, so they didn't want to do a, a junior. They just wanted to do a different yeah. Peter. And my brother's name is actually Andy, which in Andrew and Peter in the Bible are brothers. Oh, okay. So my parents did it that way, but I grew up being called Peter, and... Once I got old enough to understand, you know, my name and my first name and middle name, I, I wanted to go by Odin. So when I got to high school at St. Thomas Academy, which was a military school, uh, all the teachers, uh, which were usually like military sergeants or, you know, priests or something, they called me Odin because that was the proper first name. So it stuck on starting high school. And then once I graduated out of St. Thomas, I went to juniors and people always asked me for, you know, like announcing and stuff like that. They'd always be like, well, what, what do you want your name to be? And I would say... I want Odin because I thought it you know, was a way cooler name. So ever since that, it's been Odin. It seems to more and more I go here, get to catch on. Um, every time I go back for family events or Christmas or something, you know, my parents call me Peter. My sister calls me Pete. My brother calls me Pete. So there's a lot of names going around. But, yeah, <laughs> it's Odin, Peter Tufto. I prefer Odin. I'd yeah. rather have you call me Odin. And um, I'm glad now that, you know, more and more as we go on here, it's it's catching on for people. Okay. And we, we just want to get it out there just in case there there's some people still kicking around that are, oh, Pete, what's up, kid, exactly. you know, as you, as you go on campus dur- throughout the course of the day. But you mentioned high school at St. Thomas Academy, uh, three years there, 120 points in 71 games. So already being able to find the back of the net uh, in high school well before you got to Quinnipiac. But, I mean, just kind of tell me as, as a hockey fan – you get to the state championship your sophomore year, the first year at St. Thomas, and you're able to play at the XL Energy Center. And you know there are pictures and videos that that circulate around, whether it be the you know the all flow teams or, or things like that. Just tell me about that experience and being able to play at, at that on that big of a stage as a high schooler. Yeah, it, it was insane. Um, I grew up. Uh, and like when I was in grade school, I would beg my dad to get me out that week so I could go to the games and watch. And, you know, they also have this kind of like expo thing where they have every brand of hockey there and they have, you know, like CCM Bauer and they have this, you know, they make these crazy events and you can do like shooting drills with their new sticks and they always, you know, they show their new merchandise and new gear. But yeah, when I finally got to, to high school and, you know, we were fortunate enough to make it, that's my sophomore year. Uh, it was insane. Our championship game, I think there was 
roughly 21,000 people there. <laughs> and um, one of my good buddies who plays at the University of Minnesota, Tommy Novak, he scored the uh, game-winning goal with six seconds left. Wow. It was insane. He, uh, he like, walked off the wall, hit a slap shot, went bar down through this insane Tim Tebow celly. <laughs> I mean, it was the craziest thing I've ever been through. It was so fun. I mean, you look at the pictures, and everyone's always like, well, you know, was it that crazy? And, yeah, it was insane. Like, we had a student section of just everyone dressed in their military uniform. It filled two full sections. Wow. I mean, it was electric. Yeah. It was, And we ended up making it my senior year, too, unfortunately losing, but – it was definitely probably one of the most memorable moments of my life to this day so far. So uh, you, you mentioned Tommy Novak, who's playing for Minnesota right now. Who, who are some of the other guys that you came up against when you were playing Minnesota High School? Because, I mean, there are a, a number of names that come out of that state every year. Yeah, I mean, we had Jack Doherty on our team, who's uh, part of the Buffalo organization right now. Um, Tommy Novak's drafted by Nashville. Um, I'm trying to think. Rem Pitlick, who plays for University of Minnesota, uh, he's drafted by Nashville. Um, man, there's so many guys. I mean, yeah. we had 12 D1 guys on our team from my sophomore year. Um, I graduated with five other seniors. One plays at Michigan Tech, one, or two play at Michigan Tech. One's at Carl College, one's at RPI. Um, so I mean, there's so many names. I mean, you, you look Yo, at yeah. you look at all the NHLers. Like Honors Lee is a St. Thomas Academy grad. Um, I mean, like Brock Nelson, T.J. Oshie. They came out of War Road, which is historic in Minnesota. I mean, there's so much rich history there. And, I mean, I think it's called the state of hockey for a reason. I mean, you look every year, whether what level it is, like college, juniors, NHL, high school, like there's so many players coming out and playing in world juniors, doing well in college, doing well in the AHL, doing well in the NHL. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's the life there. You know, no one really pays too much attention to the Vikings <laughs> or the Timberwolves or something. I mean, not that the Wild are insanely great, but just the, <laughs> just the Minnesota yeah. history with with how great hockey is there. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and even if the, the fanfare, I mean, for the Wild isn't necessarily always there, I mean, that's what you see. It's the, it's the depth of the fanfare yeah. that you're able to get, yeah. you know, 21,000 yeah. people I mean, they're a not, high school game. Yeah, I mean, they've never won a cup, and, and they're, you know, they're not always the greatest team, but, like, you look at every home game, it's sold out. And yeah. it's just because – people love their hockey there you know whether it's not a bandwagon thing in minnesota you know it's not like oh if they're doing well then we'll go watch them yeah. they could be the worst team in the nhl they're still probably selling out every night just because that's what minnesota is there you go um so going past past high school then a couple years of uh juniors but the second year is the one that i wanted to ask you about because you you start playing year number one in vernon and then year number two comes along and there are three different teams that you end up playing for so that second year seems a, a little uh, a little jarring, I, I would say, for a, a younger hockey player. Yeah, I um, you know the the year after Vernon, I had a really good year, and um, I had talked with the coaches uh, at Quinnipiac, and you know they actually wanted me to come in um, that year because they lost Sam Annis and they needed another player to come in, and I just told them I didn't feel like I was ready, um, like I wasn't strong enough, and and I needed another year, so. They told me to take up the challenge and go to the USHL. So I ended up in Fargo to start the year, um, and that was kind of where it started. I ended up there, and then two days after my birthday in January, I got traded to Tri-City, and then I was in Tri-City for all of 18 days. <laughs> and then at the deadline, I got traded to Sioux City, and then uh, I made a Clark Cup run with Sioux City um, until May. And then actually a day after the Clark Cup ended in May, I came out here for summer school. Really? So I, it was... It was one of the craziest years. I, it was probably the craziest year I've ever had when it when it comes to hockey. Um, I kind of learned a lot about myself because, you know, in juniors, like, you don't have your parents around. So I was packing up myself, 
grabbing my car and going. I mean, I, I was in three different places in the span of 21 days, and I didn't even get to unpack in Tri-City because I was only there for two and a half weeks. Right, so, yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, it was. I learned a lot about myself, but I think all in all it worked out. I went to Sioux City, and I had a really great team and a, a really good coaches, and I kind of found my groove there and started to do really well. And, you know, we made a, a pretty fun playoff run, unfortunately losing in the last game to win the Clark Cup. But, um yeah, I mean, what a crazy year it was. Yeah. It was it was nuts. What what were you able to learn about yourself? I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I think um, when I started in Fargo, I was struggling. I think I had two points in the first 15 games. And, and you know, it's not that points is always the thing that matters. But, you know, I was struggling. You know, I, and it seemed like, oh, man, like, I, you know, I was at – I wasn't, you know, playing power play. I was on the fourth line, and it just things like it seemed like I was going to get sent back to the BCHL right away. And I was nervous, kind of what the coaches at Quinnipiac would think. They'd be like, "Oh man, well he's struggling here." But then I kind of found, you know, a little a little better groove as you know the first half of the season went on, and and then you know my coach and I didn't see eye to eye in Fargo, so that's when the Tri City trade came in, and then I went to Tri City, and I was given a lot of opportunity. And um, I did really well, but then I only played eight games there and then was traded to Sioux City. And then I played with just two stellar linemates in in, uh, in Sioux City and was just able to just, you know, really do really well um, with them. And then, you know, we ended up doing really well in playoffs too. But I think just I faced a lot of adversity, and that's something that I hadn't really had to do at all in my hockey career. I think I look back at, like, association hockey and then high school, like, High school, there wasn't a ton of competition, and I, you know, you kind of just mopped the floor those three years that I played at St. Thomas, and and then Vernon, I got in, and I did really well, and I was up for rookie of the year, so things had just been going great, and I think it was the first time I ever really had to deal with adversity in the game of hockey, and and you know, being by myself and not having my parents every weekend, that's tough, you know, like when you're in high school and thing if something goes wrong, like you just go home and you talk to your parents, so I kind of had to do a little soul searching myself and just really dig in deep and. You know, figure out what I needed to do on the ice and off the ice to not only be a better player, but honestly, just be happy. I wasn't happy at some points, and yeah. I think honestly, the trades helped. You know, they they gave me fresh starts, and both the fresh starts in Tri City and Sioux City, right away, I was able to make an impact, and I think that helped my confidence. and And from then on, I think, you know, I had that confidence when I came into summer school here, and I think it's just kept kept rolling ever since I came into Quinnipiac. So of course, you 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 haven't had the chance to play professional hockey yet, but What's that? What's that call like when you find out? Oh my God, I'm being traded somewhere. Yeah, um, the first one, it was you know it was weird. I I had kind of knew it was coming because at Christmas he had kind of was like you know, we don't really think you fit here well in Fargo. Like there may be a chance that you get moved. So I kind of knew it was coming. Um, so when it happened, like I was kind of happy to get out of there because I didn't love the coach. I I liked my team, but I didn't love the coach. So. Like, my final interview with him, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> but then Tri-City, you know, they were one of the lower teams in the league, and I thought, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm probably just going to end up in Tri-City for us year. Like, you know, let's just have a strong finish to the season and, you know, work on my game. And then all of a sudden, um, I got a text Monday morning um, that he was like, hey, can you meet me in the coach's you know office at 8.30? And, you know, we have, like, a team group chat or whatever, and I guess three other guys – or, no, four other guys got that text. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> so three of us out of the five went to Sioux City in a package deal, and then two went to Waterloo. So it was just crazy. Like they wholesaled pretty much. Wow. The yeah. Team. Yeah. So um, were you, now was that team not? Were you not really in contention? with No, them? we were the second to last team in the conference. Ah, so they okay. were. So they're they trying were, to stock. Yeah, up they were looking to get stuff. draft picks, and yeah. they got. I think they got like four young guys out of it, and like oh, wow. six draft picks 
among the Waterloo and Sioux City or whatever. It, it was a crazy thing. But, yeah, I think the second one was just like, wow, like, you know, in, in in the BC, trades don't really happen that much. Okay. And if they do, the thing in the BC is you can trade anywhere across Canada, any junior team, any junior A team. So, you know, not having experienced it, I mean, the second one just threw me off. I was like, oh, my gosh. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's weird. You know, you, you make a connection with your build family and you make a connection with players on your team. And, and then just like that, in, in a span of one day, you pack up your stuff and you drive to a new place. I mean, it was crazy. We We got traded on a Monday. And we played in Omaha on a Tuesday night. So Omaha is an hour and a half away from Tri-City. And me and the two other guys that got traded to Sioux City, we met the team in Omaha. So we were, we're sitting there in the parking lot waiting for the bus with our bags in the back of our car, <laughs> just waiting for the bus to show up. We get off the bus. We meet the coaches, the GM, the assistant GM, and then we meet all the players. And then you play a game with a new team. So you guys were all in the lineup that night. We were all in the lineup that night. Wow. And I was with two – I was with a guy that was – my two line mates that night were a Finnish kid who was 16 and then a Slovakian kid who had already played major junior. So he hadn't, he wasn't going to college yet. Right. So, and neither of them were very good at English. So oh it was my just, God. <laughs> it's just crazy. Like, you know, and, and it's, it, it does remind you of like kind of what professional does look like yeah. at any moment. Like you see like all these trades happening at any moment, you can just pack up your stuff and leave. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy how, you know, you never know oh, any, yeah. any day of the moment, you know, you can pack up and you're gone. And that's kind of what, juniors was like for me that year it was wow. just crazy um so I, I guess kind of backtracking for a second so um when did Quinnipiac start to come into the picture and and you know when you were when you were surveying your options for possibly playing college hockey what was it about the the school and the program that jumped out to you yeah they jumped onto me uh when I was in Vernon so right at the beginning of the year there's something called a BCHL showcase so every team goes to a certain site it was Chilliwack BC um, and you play two games, every team's there. They kind of split it up. So like half the teams are there Thursday, Friday, and then half the teams are there Saturday, Sunday. Um, and every college goes, pretty much every NHL team has a scout there. It's just a crazy event. So coming out of high school, I didn't have much interest, but we had already played five games, um, coming into the showcase and I was leading the BCHL in scoring. So I had a strong start. There you go. And it, and it seemed like from what colleges had told uh, myself and like my parents and my advisors that they wanted to see how I adjusted to juniors before they really showed interest. So to have that start, it helped going to the showcase with that. And then in the showcase, um, again, did really well. I played well the first game, and then I talked to a couple teams. And then the second game, we were down 4-1. We won 5-4 in double overtime. I had three goals and assists. There you go. <laughs> so then right before the, the showcase, uh, my head coach came up to me. He's like, hey, have you ever heard about Quinnipiac? And I know that the Jones twins played at Vernon um, years before that. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I kind of know about it a little bit. So he said, yeah, like the head coach is coming out to, to watch you. Okay. He said the last time they did that was when the Jones twins played here. So I'm like, so, you know, right there that catches your eye. Yeah. So after that last game, I come out and, and I see Rand and I talk to him. And, um, you know, he he wasn't crazy about, like, jumping right on to me and making this like a quick, you know, he – He's all about being patient, and, and, you know, he wanted me to survey my options. And then if I really had interest, he wanted me to visit. So I ended up talking to, like, 25 teams wow, within okay. that day. So within about a couple weeks later, it was already down to about five teams. You know, a lot of teams died off. Uh, a lot of teams threw offers at me, and I was just like, nah, like, I'm not feeling that. And then, you know, I narrowed it down to Quinnipiac, Denver, um, Notre Dame, BC, and then Bemidji State in Minnesota. Um, I only visited... Uh, Denver and Quinnipiac 
and then I, I, I knew Bemidji State just because I'm from Minnesota. Um, but yeah, I visited December of 2015. I actually, my shadows were Luke Shiplow and actually Chase Prisky. There you go. Um, so <laughs> not a bad group to, yeah, uh, to exactly. shadow. Yeah. No, they, and they, you know, they showed me around, um, you know, they let me have a fun time. And, and then about two weeks later I made my commitment. But, um, you know, when I visited just, it was, it was all ran. Like he was so good at, you know, telling me that he, he loves small players and like how, you know, well, like. St. Dennis did and Annis did and Pekka did and how they're small players but they thrived because of the way they play and that just really caught my eye and and you know Denver was great but I think I just I couldn't pass up the opportunity that Rand gave me and yeah, I'm glad I'm here now. I mean yeah, yeah. Look at, looking at everything how, how it's yeah. gone so far so you know end up coming into Quinnipiac your, your freshman year and you know Continue to continue to cook. Essentially, uh, I, I forget what eight points in the first five games. You know to get things started. So a hot start right off the bat, and you end up playing the majority of the season uh, with Tanner McMaster. Uh, so being able to kind of be you know a one-two punch with a senior like him. I mean, how much did he help your game right off the bat? Yeah, he was huge. Um, you know, he's a guy who you know when when you obviously play with a senior, like you're like all right, you know you you want to be like a sponge. You want to soak anything in, in he says. Um, because they've been through the ropes, and he was great. He was so skilled, so good with the puck. So just to kind of feed off him and, and develop that chemistry that we did over the year, um, it was unreal. And I think, you know, he really helped me, not only on the offensive side, but I think on the whole 200-foot zone of the game, you know, because that was some of my struggles coming in. So um, he was great for me. I mean, I had Landon Smith there for a while, who was really good, and then Nick Germain too as well. And, you know, also, too, I, I, uh, my road roommate was Chase Prisky. So, you know, the fact that he was a junior captain, he, he put a lot of, you know, weight on my shoulders when it, when it came to responsibility, even though I was a freshman, just because of kind of the role I played. So I think to have that, too, to, you know, be a freshman but play bigger than a freshman, play more like, you know, you've played before because of the opportunity I, th- the opportunity I was put in, I think, was, was uh, you know, it was a challenge for me, but I think uh, it, it made me a better player when it came to the end of the year. And, and you mentioned the the 200-foot game, which is something that is, is preached at this level. So, uh, you know, what what are some of the changes that you saw from your game at the beginning of the year to when you when you finished up last season? I think, you know, he you know, Rand gave me a little bit of a leash at the beginning of the year just because I was trying to transition from the junior game to college game. But I think just um, stuff like defensive zone draws and, and, and you know, more play in the D zone where I think in the beginning of the year I, I didn't have that foot speed where I was able to you know keep up on my D man because I'm a, I was a winger but also help bail out guys if they you know they made a mistake and then I think in the neutral zone too like getting pucks in and getting pucks out you know between the blue lines is, is a tough area in college hockey getting that puck out of your own D zone and then getting it in in their zone and, and getting the four check on so that was something I struggled with a lot I know the first game of the year we played BC and I didn't get the puck deep into the zone, and then I took a penalty with four minutes left in the game, and they tied it up, and we end up tying the game. So right there, the first game of the year, I make a mistake that goes from a win to a tie, and you know, right there, like it's like, all right, you know, I got to bear down because you know it's a different level. So I think, I you know, I went through some you know circumstances like that where I I learned the hard way, you know, yeah. by you know making a win a tie and and stuff like that where you and just, sometimes that's the best way to learn exactly you know you beat yourself up right after the game but you know you understand that like you know it was your first game of your college career you're gonna make mistakes it's better to have it now than you know game 34 so I think stuff like that that happened at the beginning of the year helped me for the later of the year but I think 
you know, just working on things in practice and practice and focusing on certain aspects in games is what helped me to down the road to become a better defensive player. So year one to year two also involved the transition from the wing back to center. Or now, are you a natural center? Yeah, I think I played most of my high school and juniors at center. Okay. So coming in, I actually played the first two games of the year at center. Okay, all right. Um, you know, Tanner would take most of the draws, but I would then, you know, switch with him and take the center spot. And, you know, my foot speed and strength was something that was tough. Like, this was the second or third game of the year was BU. Yeah. And we were matched up against Greenway a lot, who's in the NHL now. Oh, boy, yeah. And yeah. just, like, he just he made light work of me. And it, and, <laughs> and, and, and Rand was like, you know what, it's just you're not there yet. So he put me at wing, which in, in our system is a little easier. Um, you know, like, you obviously have a different role at the center um, in the D zone and, and in the neutral zone. So, um, but when it came to the end of the year, I got stronger. Um, over the summer, my foot speed got better. I got bigger. I got faster. I, you know, I'm, I'm more aware of my defensive play now. So I wanted to be in that center position, and I think I've done well so far. I think the first game, kind of had to get my nooks and crannies out, but um, ever since that, I think I've been doing really well. Whether it's been yeah. the faceoff circle or defensive play. And now, uh, also returning to center, you are now the veteran on your line. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so how how has that kind of affected how you're you're acting on the ice, not just during games, but in practices off the ice with having two freshman line mates? Yeah, I think what helped was Rand kind of let me know at the end of last year that I was likely going to play with those two. Oh, okay. And I played actually with Bon Giovanni in Tri City for the you know 18 days. There, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't long, but I did play on a line with him for about five six games, so I was a little aware of him, but. Um, yeah, it's weird being a sophomore and being the vet, but you know, I think of last year and, and how I had a transition and, and, you know, I, I'm definitely hard on them, but I have to understand that I have to look at where I was at in, in the time of, you know, last year and where they're at right now. So the first couple games, you know, I, I wasn't as super hard on them. I had to understand that they, they're in that adjustment period, but lately they've been great, which is good. Cause then I can lay off them and I don't have to be like the bad guy, but you know, like, <laughs> They work hard. They're very committed. You know, they're skilled players. So, like, we all have to understand that we have skill, but, you know, like, we got to put in work on the forecheck and, and play gritty because, you know, that's what it takes in college hockey. But they've been great. I mean, they listen. You know, it's tough, you know, being a sophomore and having to, you know, crack down on two freshmen. But, like, that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, I'm happy with the way they've played so far. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of picture you be your own good cop, bad cop, exactly. whatever, whatever it, yeah. things are going it, on. It's but tough, yeah. I mean, it, you know, because I, I'm still learning stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I'm an underclassman, so I'm I'm sometimes in the same position as them um, because, you know, like they both played penalty kill, and I've started to play penalty kill in practice. So it's crazy now that I'm asking them questions. And, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it just it works out in funny ways, you know, that yeah. like, you're always learning. I mean, even juniors and seniors sometimes, you know, you're always learning. So – you know, you try to help them, but at the same time, sometimes they can help you even though they're freshmen. Yeah, and that shows, I mean, how mu- how the, the hockey sense that these kids came in with being able to kind of teach you and help you yeah, in other aspects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. It pays to, you know, to be a smart hockey player. And, and yeah. when you are, you know, you can help anyone, whether they're a forward or a defenseman. Um, you know, it just goes a long way. Yeah. Um, and lastly, before, before we finish up, of course, coming in now, uh, the series this weekend, a home and home with what is now the number one team in the country, the UMass Minutemen. So, you know, just as much as you guys had that, uh, you know, had the youth movement this year, that's kind of a, a similar thing that they're going through in Amherst uh, from more of a season ago. So, 
heading into this series, it's a big series. Um, you know, what are you what are you looking at in terms of these guys? What are you expecting? And and you know, what are we what can we expect as a Bobcat fan this weekend? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, when anytime you can start the weekend with a number one team in your building, uh, it gives you. I mean, that's just right there in itself is a reason to get hyped up. But, you know, they're a good team. They've shown it this year. They showed it last year by sweeping us. You know, they have that young talent that now it's more dangerous because they're most of those guys are sophomores. And last year they were freshmen. And the fact that, you know, they were able to sweep us as a young group and they all have a year under their belt uh, just adds on more. But, you know, we're we're not worried. I mean, we're a really good team. And, you know, we do have a youth movement, too. But they've also most of those guys have already made a really big adjustment and they're all playing really well. So, you know, it's going to be a good battle. I mean, they have an elite defensive core, and we have an elite defensive core. Um, their goalie, who I played with in Fargo, has been playing really well, and we've had two goalies that are playing really well. So hopefully we can get both guys to play one night, and, you know, maybe we can catch their goalie tired. But, um, you know, it's going to be a tight battle. I mean, anytime you know, you, you play with two teams that are in the top ten, you know, you're going to have elite talent, and it's, it's going to be a tight game. Um, you know, the game's probably going to be one off of a couple turnovers, uh, mistakes that are made, and, you know, that comes with uh, having youth on both sides. So, you know, you don't know what to expect, but you just go out there. And, I mean, we've we've uh, we've started to do video on them this week, and, and we'll continue to do it as Friday leads up. But, um, you know, we're all hyped up for Friday to, to get them at home. And, I mean, it, it, what a better way to end the first half, uh, especially with the way the year has gone so far for us. It's the, the ultimate measuring stick of yeah, a game exactly. like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is huge to go into the second half and really to see where we're at. You know, I mean, we've played some good teams – um, definitely throughout the first half this year, but to end the first half uh, with the number one team, I, I don't think we'd want it any other way. You yeah. know, people are always saying, you know, well, you know, they are the number one team, but yeah, I mean, college hockey is so close; anybody can beat anybody at any given night. So I think, you know, this weekend's really going to show where our team is at and you know where we're headed for the second half. And, and as a top line guy, I mean, you got to have a game plan going in because you'll probably be seeing a good amount of Kale McCarr this weekend. Yeah. So what's your what's a game plan for you trying to be able to get past him? Yeah, I mean, he's an elite defensive player, as you can tell. I mean, he's obviously elite offensively. So, um, you know, it, honestly, that you leave that up to the coaches with matching lines. You know, with a home and home, it is weird because you know we get last change Friday and then they get last change Saturday. So. Um, matchups will be interesting, um, but I think anytime you're out there, like you just you want to put the pressure on them. You know, you want to you want to make them skate. You want them, you know, make them go to the corners and you know places where he doesn't want to go. You know, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to be getting a body on of them, but <laughs> maybe my line mates will. I'm not yeah. much of a hitter, but you just want to be a pest all night. I mean, you know that Ferraro kid too is really good as well. He was a second rounder two years ago, so you want to make those kids. You know, you want to tire them down. You know, you want to make them you know, do something that makes them uncomfortable. And, and with those guys, you know, they're so skilled. So you want to keep the puck off their stick and, and you want to make them play defense because even though they are defensemen, you know, those guys are offensive defensemen and all they want to do is go the other way. And so if you can tire them down and, and make them play defense, then, you know, you got a good shot. There you go. All right, before we go, uh, we have three questions that we ask everybody. These are the real thinkers. You know, you can talk college hockey all day, yeah. but these are the ones that actually kind of get to know you a little bit better. So the first one, if you could live anywhere in the world that is not Hamden, Connecticut, because obviously that would be the number one pick, yeah. where would it be? Anywhere in the world besides Hamden. Yeah, this could be a vacation spot, somewhere that you've um, seen on a, I, I don't know, vacation brochure in the dang. airport. Um... Hockey hotbed somewhere in Canada. Yeah, I, I mean, I did go to Perry Sound where the Bobby Orr Hall of Fame is. Ooh, that was okay. pretty elite. <laughs> but I think if I had to live anywhere, I'd probably go somewhere like, 
I've never visited the Cayman Islands or Bahamas, and I love the I love the warm. Even though I'm from Minnesota, where yeah. I experience cold, yeah, you always want to get to the warm. I'd have to probably go one of those. Um, either that or Toronto, because I love the Maple Leafs. I love I love hockey, and I think so. Like somewhere like a Toronto or Montreal or like a a, a polar opposite where it's like a Cayman Islands or something like that. I've always wanted to visit one of those places, but. Um, you know, that's kind of what my parents are doing right now. They, they, they're going to Arizona for the winters and then they're coming to Minnesota for like the spring Ooh. summer. So they're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. They got to figure um, it out. Wow. So I like that. But, um, yeah, definitely one of those two spots. Okay. Did you like the Nylander deal? I did. Yeah. He's, uh, kind of one of the reasons I wear 29. Really? 19 is my favorite number, but, um, Tanner had it last year and I've always been, um, interested in the number 29, like McKinnon and yeah. Nylander who I really, you know, like to kind of model my game after in, in some ways so um to see him sign that deal uh, right at the end there it was pretty cool and i think they played at night so i'm hopefully i can catch him catch him tonight and watch him play all right second one uh if you could have dinner with one person either alive or deceased who would it be and why live or deceased ah man uh, you know what i'd probably i'd probably say my grandfather that's that i'm named after yeah. uh, i never got to meet him um, you know, I mean, you'd always want to have, you know, dinner with some crazy celebs, you know, I'd probably choose like a guy like, you know, Neilan or something, but I think my grandfather, um, you know, I heard it just, uh, how great of a guy he was from what my dad tells me. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't get to meet him, but I think, um, you know, he has an edge that I think that I have too. That's from what my dad has said. So I think it'd just be cool to have a, a, a meal with him and just kind of, See what he had to say. Nah, just pick his brain. Exactly, yeah, things yeah. like that. All right, uh, and the last one, uh, maybe while you're having this meal, uh, you are on death row. What is your final meal? Dinner, drink, and dessert. Dinner, drink, and dessert. Yeah. All right, dinner, I'm going New York Strip with probably um, – I'm probably going New York Strip with mashed potatoes on the side and a Caesar salad. Good romaine, though you know. Absolutely, you need, you need yeah. romaine. <laughs> um, no need to go out with anything else drink. than drink. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going chocolate milk. I love chocolate milk. Yeah. Dessert. Um, there's a thing I have in Minnesota. It's called a mud pie. It's like an Oreo crust with uh, coffee, ice cream, hot fudge, caramel sauce, and whipped cream. Good it's, lord! It's a, it is elite. There's, oh my god! Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's at this place called um, Lonesome Pine, which is in um, like kind of where I live by in in, in Chaska. Yeah. Um, it's elite. I could eat a whole thing if I wanted to, but yeah, if if that's my final meal, probably doing that. Yeah, you you can't go wrong with can't any go of wrong. them. Oh no, my god! It's yeah. Well, Odin, thank you so much for joining us this week, and uh, best of luck finishing up the first half against UMass. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much to Odin Tufto for joining us here on episode number 11 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you go online to QuinnipiacBobcats.com. You can get your stats, rosters, highlights, tickets. See all the work that Matt McAuliffe has done, including a fantastic story that I think you should tell us about. Yeah, so I just recently wrote a story on Jared Doyen, who is the public address announcer for both the hockey teams here at Quinnipiac. And he has Tourette's Syndrome. So he wakes up every day with that syndrome and still chases his dream and actually is living his dream as a public address announcer for a Division One program and as well as the Hartford Yard Goats and the Hartford Wolf Pack. Yes, yeah. And I found out actually today he does like uh, Central Connecticut State University games too and he just he doesn't quit and his story is 
Awesome. So, uh, and of course, you know, we don't want to give a ton of it away right off the bat because we want you yeah. to go read. Um, but it's gotten a, it's gotten a lot of great love as it should on Twitter. You, uh, I'm blown away with how well it came out. Heck of a job. Wouldn't have expected anything different. But please, yeah, if you haven't already, make sure you go online. It's on Matt's Twitter. It's on the Quinnipiac Twitter. Uh, it's on the website. But if you want a link, it's on it's on different social medias. Make sure you go read it. It's a fantastic story. That could definitely be a good future podcast guest oh jared on this one yeah Yeah, and he'd be all about it yeah his voice is awesome he'd be all about it yeah it'd be it'd be a competition between the three of us to see who ended up sounding the best by the end of it but (laughs) um anyways yeah so make sure you go read jared's if you haven't go online to quinnipiacbobcats.com if you want to do that make sure you follow all of the social media accounts uh it's at qu athletics if you want to follow the main account and at qu underscore mih if you want to follow the men's hockey team on twitter uh, make sure you check out Bobcats weekly, twice weekly on Instagram, uh, IGTV. That's where you find it if you follow QU Athletics. Uh, Matt McAuliffe, if we want to follow you, how can we? At of 7 on Twitter and Instagram. Beautiful. And I am at Dan Ball, B-A-H-L. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. Click.